Hello, and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and your host for this podcast series. This is episode 103 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is tarot birth cards. And my special guest is none other than Mary Greer. Welcome, Mary. Hi, it's great to be here with you. It is such an honor to speak with you today. I'm really excited about this topic, too. So, anyhow, the reason why I um, wanted you for the topic is because you wrote the book uh, all about tarot birth cards called Who Are You in the Tarot? And it's really been a book that so many of us tarot readers uh, have found useful. We love it. In fact, I have co-written a new book called Tarot for Troubled Times with Shaheen Miro, and a part of the work that we're doing in the book revolves around tarot birth cards. And your your work on this subject has been just phenomenal and such an inspiration and so helpful to us. So, of course, you're the only person that I would think of to discuss this subject with. So I'd like to ask you, first of all, if you could explain what the tarot birth cards or constellations are. Wow. Um, they are cards that are particular to you based on your calendar birthday. So by using our modern calendar, it puts you in this culture, in this time and place. Um, on a metaphysical level, it suggests how, why you were incarnated at, at this time, what your uh, deepest motivations in doing whatever it is that you're going to do are all about so that you can uh, settle, I think, settle more comfortably into uh, your particular approach to the world and not feel like you're always fighting it or searching for something uh, that you think you're supposed to be or do and that you're not. So I think it helps you with that sole purpose alignment. And you mentioned in your book that Angelus Arian discovered these constellations. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, actually, there have been a couple of people who came up with the general idea or saw those numerical relationships among the cards, because when you calculate your month, day, and year of birth, um, and then reduce it to any number that's 22 or below, you're going to get um, possibly um, more than one card. For instance, if your birthday adds up to 18, then you're the moon, 18, and it reduces to nine. Well. Uh, it turns out that Aleister Crowley saw that. It's there in um, some of the Golden Dawn material of McGregor Mathers. Uh, they didn't break it down, though, into actually that personality, soul, and, and inner motivation framework that Angie did so well. So I learned it from her in San Francisco back in the late 70s. And that was the way that she started all of her classes. The very first thing you did was find out your uh, lifetime cards and also what year card you were working with at that time. And that gave you an immediate focus into uh, when she was talking about those cards. You wanted to know everything you could about them. So instead of learning 22 cards, you started out learning your particular ones and then the cards of your um, you know, romantic partners or uh, parents, uh, siblings, and pretty soon before you knew it, you had explored all the major arcana cards, and then there's also a way to look at the minors. That's so fascinating to me, and, and of course, I'm also really fascinated with numerology, too. You know, numbers are 
are pretty magical things when you think about them. I think of them as, uh, you know, kind of like even letters or speaking or words. It's all magic to me. Yes, exactly. It's it's vibrational energy. And after a while, you start learning to feel those different vibrational energies, I think. Do you start out your readings with people also doing the birth cards? It depends. If it's, um, you know, a full hour or more, then I often will, um, especially if I do a full hour and a half reading, which um, I don't do those as much as I used to. Um, that, that used to be the only thing I would do. And then I would do a full thing with your personalized soul and your cards at the beginning of every session. Uh, but with shorter readings, especially if they're going to be uh, half an hour or less, um, I only check if there's some intuitive sense that I need to check that out. <laughs> right, right. Well, I never thought about starting readings out with this, so that really, I find that really fascinating, and it's actually quite a brilliant idea, and I think a lot of readers um, could find that a really helpful and useful way to really hone in with their clients. So I love that. Yeah, and even if you don't um, spend a lot of time on it, if you can get the birth information when they make the appointment or even just at the very beginning of the session and quickly do it, it gives you as a reader an insight into how to approach the client in the best possible way. You know, what are they going to be most open uh, to hearing in terms of your approach? That is super brilliant. I swear that is something I'm going to start doing because that's something I never considered in a million years, and it makes total sense. You know, when you have an idea of the person, you know, what they're all about, what their makeup is, you can be more effective when, with your work with them. Definitely. Yeah, you know who's going to, you know, bristle and get upset if you speak to them very directly and, you know, who's not. So that, that makes a huge difference right there. Right on. So how do you, for people who are listening, how do you calculate the um, birth cards? How do you get to the number? You add the month, day, and the year that you were born using the entire four-digit year. And you can add them any way you want if you want to get to your soul number, which is the single-digit total sum, which means you add up the birthday and then you do what's called a theosophic sum. And that's where you take the um, the sum of the month, day, and year, and you keep reducing it down. And you can, if you reduce it down to a single digit, no matter how you add those numbers, you're going to come up with the same single digit. Um, I use the the old-fashioned mathematical, you know, the month at the top, right directly underneath it, the the day, and directly underneath that, the year. And so I add the the digits on the right, and then add those to the next ones on the left. In that way, I get um, the same pattern always of intermediate cards. For instance, my birthday adds up, um, the sum adds up to an 18. And that's, since that's a major arcana card, I keep that before I re- reduce it to the 9. Uh, there's also what's called the, the hidden cards because um, if your birthday adds directly to a 9, there's always that... Um, uh, understanding that the 18 is the other card in the major arcana that adds up to nine and therefore um, may not be as directly observable, but is also a card for you. So, so you usually end up with um, two or three cards 
for instance, if your birthday adds up to 21, that's the world, 2 plus 1 uh, equals 3, but also the 1 plus 2 card, the 12, the hangman, mm. is also part of that. So you've got the world, the hangman, and the empress. So when I add up mine, I come up with um, justice and the high priestess. So my question then is, well, which one do I go with? Well, the high priestess is always going to be your, uh, I mean, yeah, the high priestess will always be your soul card. Uh, the uh, 11 justice is in the system I use, um, we call the personality card. It's more specifically what you've come in in this particular lifetime to express um, how to express that high priestess energy. But you could have also gotten the 2020 judgment. Uh, and so because in your particular adding, it didn't appear, I call it the uh, hidden factor card. Hidden <clears throat> refers to Jungian shadow energy. And Carl Jung said, our shadow is our greatest teacher. So the hidden card is also your teacher card through that kind of elaborate process. Um, so you really have all together what I call the constellation of the high priestess. The high priestess being the soul energy. Uh, but you also have those other two cards in some way or another. And uh, so actually good judgment, 20 is the judgment card, requires both the intuition of the high priestess and that kind of critical, rational, analytical process of the justice card. That is such a great, succinct description of that. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about that shadow card because some of the work that I'm working on with Shaheen is around shadow work. And you said the hidden factor can be a shadow card. Can you explain, I mean, you already explained what a shadow card is, but can you explain how it looks in action? Like if I'm maybe perhaps moving with the negative side of that hidden factor or shadow card. Well, the other cards uh, can certainly help you to um, understand what <clears throat> that shadow energy is trying to work towards. So, for instance, with judgment being the shadow card, um, which uh, means the things that you don't actually see in yourself um, or you tend to project onto others, for instance, saying to, about somebody else, oh, she's so judgmental. Well, the high priestess then is asking you to see that within. Mm. And the justice card is, um, because of it, the two scales, is asking you to see that other person's perspective and recognize that you may be pushing that onto them. Um, so, uh, yeah, they all work together in this kind of interesting way. And what I find most fascinating about the shadow card is that, uh, it tends to be a blind spot until you're at your first Saturn return. And that can be between the ages of 27 up to almost 30. Uh, and during that period, you come face to face with those issues. If you uh, don't integrate the understanding of that at that point, then it tends to be an area that you are constantly um, having difficulties with. You know, the, the kind of person who's really lost in this world and thinks everybody else is out to get them or, or whatever. Um, if you have integrated it, then it becomes a strength. And 
um, of course, you, you continue to integrate and learn it more, but it, there's something about that Saturn return period that just throws it in your face and, you know, either learn it or or suffer. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and at that point, if you really work at integrating those uh, lessons through whatever circumstances come up in your life, uh, which are usually difficult in order to be teachers, then it becomes uh, teaching energy. And I find that people who've really integrated that have um, are able to teach those qualities and characteristics to other people because they've had to struggle to learn them. With your soul card, it's so integral to you that you can't, um, on another level, you are it, you don't mm-hmm. see it. <laughs> um, so it becomes the uh, motivations that you can't even see in yourself um, that keep guiding you towards things, uh, your, your inner intuitions, but you can't really explain them to other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas anything you've had to struggle with, you're better able to help other people see or understand the function of. Oh, my God. That is so true in so many areas of life. You know, it's really funny. Um, I was quite good at math in school until I hit geometry, and I just lost interest in it. And so I struggled with geometry, and what's really funny is I ended up uh, later on, you know, studying astrology was just nothing but geometry, and I'm actually quite mm-hmm. good at explaining geometry to people, but it was one of the hardest things for me to wrap my head around. So you're totally right with that. Whatever you struggle with, whether it's a life lesson or something like geometry, uh, oftentimes that gives you an opportunity to really then explain it to somebody else in the very best way. Yeah, and it's similar to riding a bike. When you're first trying to learn, you're, you're concentrating on, you know, which foot goes up and which goes down and how do you adjust your body and what, what do you do. But if you've been riding for years and somebody says, how do you ride a bike, most people are going to stop and have no idea where to start. <laughs> That's so true. So true. So... You mentioned earlier about yearly cards. I would like to know how to calculate your yearly card. And if you could give us an example, maybe like with your yearly card for the next year. Ah, getting personal here. Yes. Um, (laughs) So what you do is you take the month you were born, the day, and the current year. So this is um, uh, 2018, and uh, it's October, and actually my birthday is October 14th, so I just um, had this. And so I'm going to add 10 plus 14 plus 2012, and that adds up to 2042. Um, And, yeah, that's the sum of those numbers. Then I add those across. 2 plus 0 is 2, plus 4 is 6, plus Two is eight, so I'm in an eight year this mm. year, and that for me is the, it can either be the strength year or the justice year, depending on if you use the Marseille or continental uh, decks or if you use um, you know most of the American and English decks. Then um, then strength is eight. So um, and for me, um, eight is um, couple of levels of it. One is dealing with um, your gut instincts and often issues around anger. You've got this beautiful maiden that's holding the um, mouth of the lion and the lion can be that instinctual nature, but it can also be rage. So in some eight years, you've got this deep 
rage that you have to deal with and understand and come to respect because usually it's pointing at Mm -hmm. something that you haven't been wanting to look at or deal with. And so you need both of those sides to come together. The other aspect of it is it's a year to follow your uh, deepest desires, your lust, because the Crowley calls it the lust card. Um, And that's for some kind of creative expression. So um, if you're not feel like you're constantly blocked from that, then that's where that rage aspect can come in where it's going to devour you. (laughs) So um, there's always the the, uh, really positive side of the year issue and then the struggle side of the year issue. And some years are more one and some the other. Usually there's some combination, but in some years you're just so totally focused on your creative expression and other years you're dealing with um, the devouring aspects of life. <laughs> right on. So I have a curious question about this, and I wanted to use your example first because I have a follow-up to this. So this next year, um, 2019, I'm going to be in an 11 year, which is justice, which is also you know, Justice and High Priestess Constellation is my birth card. So does that have any significance? Yes. Yes. I feel that every time that you come back to your personality or soul card, uh, in your case, your personality card, um, every year you come back, it seems to appear in all of these. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go back and fiddle around with that because that really is fascinating to me. Now, the other question I have around this, does your yearly year begin at the turn of the year or on your birthday? Both. Because I had a numerologist who have different ideas about this. Exactly. I went through dozens of numerology books to see, you know, what the different perspectives were. And after reading a a bunch of them in terms of uh, that question, whether it begins in January or on your birthday, I found that the group of people who described it as beginning uh, in January tended to talk about outer events that were happening to the person as described by their year number or year card. The people who went from birthday to birthday talked more about our inner responses to outer events, so more of the inner world. Mm -hmm. So I work with both. I see the January one as the universe starting to hit you over the head and say, pay attention to these things. And it's around your birthday that you go, oh, you mean this? (laughs) (laughs) And I've got a birthday very late in the year. (laughs) So I've got this pattern of it takes me a while to kind of go, oh, you mean this? So I... During that period uh, of birthday and in the same year, you're acting more automatically out of that energy. You know, the outer and the inner is is more in in sync. The best way to see which works best for you is to look at the years when you go from a hermit year to a wheel of fortune year because they tend to be so radically different. The hermit year You want to go inward, a lot of self-reflection. It's great for journal writing, for, you know, intense therapy, dream work, any kind of inner processing work. Um, And the Wheel of Fortune year is very outer-focused. 
and people come into your life, you know, you want to just sit at home and, you know, write in your journal and people are calling you saying, oh, there's a movie with me. Come do this. Right. So, um, yeah, if you check when the, that switch really starts to take place, uh, because in January following the hermit year, um, when the Wheel of Fortune would start to come in in the January cycle, it's usually that people are suddenly contacting you and, you know, wanting to do things with you and you're going, go away, go away. <laughs> and it takes a while before you learn to integrate that inner outer stuff. That makes total sense because I am like right in the midst of that. So right on. So I want to ask you one last question. What are the name cards and how do you find those? Um that's a, a little more complex. Uh, it's in the uh, last part of my book. And I, I found it best to use as kind of a deep meditation that you do. Um, you know, you should spend about a, a week or more just trying to get in harmony with what that is. So you take your birthday and you... Um, use a chart that tells you which um, card goes with which letter of your name, or not take your birthday, your birth name. Um, you, Generally speaking, you're working with the name that's on your birth certificate, but you can also work with whatever name you currently use because that's going to show how you shift from that, um, what you were aligned with when you came into incarnation in um, in your life here and with your family, your birth family or whoever gave you that first name and then whatever names you use later. So you just use this, uh, you have to work with the charts and, and you, um, you know, correspond each letter of your name with a number and a card. And you can actually learn to, act, to play a personal tune uh, because in the Golden Dawn system and uh, Builders of the Adidam that uh, came after that, they worked very much with sounds that go with each of the major arcana parts. So you can actually get a sense of a rhythm and a sound and a sense then of what your music is, your inner music. Even if you don't play music, you can still get that rhythm, that feeling. And it's really interesting if you compare a name that you've chosen or married into or whatever with that birth name to see what kind of shifts are going on. So I think it's something you need to kind of commit yourself to working with for um, a fairly intense period to get that real living sense of what that your name's trying to tell you. Well, yeah, I find that interesting about um, when you change your name because when I went with my original birth name, it was the Hierophant. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got married, it became, ta-da, Justice and the High Priestess again, which was so uh-huh. weird. So weird. Yeah. So it's, like those, that, it's absolutely fascinating what it is. Yeah, it's like those numbers are stalking me. So I just find it so, so interesting. And I love your book so much. It's been it's one of my books that's really pretty ragged because I have, you know, enjoyed going through it and going through the exercises in it also like with my kids and stuff like that. And I think it's one that should be on every tarot reader shelf. So I really want to thank you for writing Who Are You in the Tarot? 
Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, talking to me about it and um, for appreciating it so much. I It's one of my favorites. Uh, that and 21, 21 Ways to Read a Tarot, those are my two favorite books by you. And I just, I think every tarot reader probably agrees with me that these are two books that many of us just, um, they're just so beloved. And the amount of work you put into these books has just been amazing. So once again, thank you so much for writing those books, Mary. Uh, thank you for telling me. And where can people find you, Mary? Where can they learn more about you? Uh, the two main places are on the web. One is my blog, which is Mary K. Greer, as if it was one word, dot com. Uh, or you can just Google Greer Tarot Blog, and I'll come up right away. Uh, the other place is on Facebook. Uh, I've got a personal page and not any room really for more friends, but you can always follow it because it's open. Uh, my personal page is totally open. Wonderful. And for people who are listening, I do suggest that you get those books. Get all, In fact, just get all of Mary's books. You'll be set with Carol and get to her blog because there's always so much interesting research that she's bringing to Tarot and she's always discovering new things. And so it's one of the blogs that you certainly want to be in. And again, Mary, thanks a lot for joining me today. And I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with my audience. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. All right, people, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free introductory classes for tarot newbies, the tarot coloring book, and hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and lots of other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening, and have a beautiful day. And hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, take a moment to leave a kind review on iTunes, because that's going to help more tarot-curious people find their way to Tarot Bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day, and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take, you're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending. <laughs>